curiosos, start your year off right. Come out to the Thundergrunt Podcast Network live show at the Windup Space, January 3rd, 2015. Catch live shows of Digression Session Podcast, Expert of Nothing, Joe Taylor and Christopher Scarborough from Curioso Podcast, and AILBS presents OK Stupid and Star Wars. There will also be live performances from Tunnel Bike. So come out to the wind-up space, 12 West North Avenue, Baltimore, Maryland, 21201. Saturday, January 3rd, 2015. Doors open at 7. Thundergrunt Podcast Network. I was looking for a Christmas present for a friend, and I came across a strange little store called the Himalayan Art Gallery. Now, it's not really an art gallery. It's more like a souvenir shop. And it's located at the National Harbor on the Anacostia River right down near D.C. And I go in and I ask the purveyor if he had any Yeti scalps for this episode. They didn't. So I ended up getting a pair of handmade Tibetan wool slippers. But I think I'm still going to have them DNA tested to see if there's any particles. Or maybe they were made out of Yeti hair. Yeti slippers. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. Ho, ho, ho! Hey, Joe, what do you know? Uh, Christmas. Oh, yes, this comes out on Christmas Day. That's right. On Uh, Christmas Day in the morning. So today we're going to be talking about uh, something that has a big, huge, uh, bushy white hair. Uh huh. Right. Wears uh, red red clothes. No, 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 no. Uh uh-uh, uh. Wrong. I think you're thinking about the wrong thing. Okay. This thing wears no clothes. Oh oh, and this thing it kills yaks and deer. It doesn't use them to pull his sleigh. Yeah, yaks. Yeah. Does Santa Claus use yaks? No. Well, maybe in some. Maybe cultures. in some countries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the abdominal snowman. Yeah, he He's does. He's so ripped. He does lots of crunches. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're talking about the Yeti. Yeah, we are. We're going to discuss the Yeti today. Now, uh, that means that we are not going to be discussing its counterparts. Of course, thinking about other creatures such as the Yowie. From Australia. Uh-huh. The Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Or Wendigo. Wendigo. Okay, which Native is kind American. of like the Native American myth. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be discussing Big Feet. Or the Brazilian Mapinguri. I don't even know what that one is. Or what, what is the one that's like in the swamps down in uh, Louisiana? It's like the, the, the stink ape or something like that. Oh, yeah, We're that's not, right, the stink ape. Yeah, the skunk ape or something. We're yeah. not going to be discussing any of those, okay? We are specifically sticking to the very, very snowy, white, 
uh, abominable snowman or the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we're going to be sticking to. So uh, let's, uh, let's kind of get into it. Where did we first hear about the Yeti? So the Yeti occupies a region in the world known as the Himalayan Mountains. So a part of the Himalayan Mountains uh, is Mount Everest, Mm -hmm. which is what they call the roof of the world. Darn tootin'. Mm -hmm. And I I love one of the web pages that I found. They said, well, if the Himalayas are the roof of the world, then we have something very strange in our attic called the Yeti. (laughs) And I just, I loved that little little line. That was great. So the Himalayas lie on the border between India, Nepal, and Tibet, which is now a part of China. So the first Western reported sighting of the Yeti was in 1832 by a UK representative named B.H. Hudson. Now, I just want to mention as well that uh, the for centuries, uh, people that have been Buddhists and Buddhist temples have uh, been in the Himalayan mountains, and they have known about this creature and talked about it, and in fact kind of somewhat worshipped it in a mystical sort of manner mm-hmm. for, for a very long time before the Western world knew about it. But since we are Western people coming from, you know, Maryland, right? I mean, uh, yeah, Western, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, not the Western U.S., but no, I mean, no. we are compared we're to the rest of the world. Here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared to the West, rest of the, the West of the world, the mm-hmm. rest of the world, uh, we are definitely Westerners. Right. So Hansen described in his first account that a creature reportedly had attacked his servants, and the natives called that beast the Raksha, which means demon. And you'll find if you do any uh, delving into the world of the Yeti, it goes by dozens of names just in that region alone. And throughout its reported history, it's also changed names, whether it was due to... uh, people misunderstanding the the traditional native language or just misspelling it, you know? And uh, so you'd have all these different variations or different regional names for the same creature. So in 1921, the name Abominable Snowman was coined by journalist Henry Newman, who mistranslated the Tibetan label for it, the Mato Kangami which means dirty man in the snow. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, the, the you know, the locals knew it, you know, as the dirty man in the snow, okay? The Tibetan side of the Himalayas. Yeah. yeah. So because they called it that, he said, well, it is a creature of abominable smell. Right. And that is how it came about being known as the abominable snowman. Mm-hmm. Because, because it, well, of, his, it, of, his, of the smell. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking like... You're in the Himalayas, so it is freezing. Yeah, and, it's, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, like, wouldn't the smell kind of die down a little bit yes. because of the snow? Because you know, when you fart, like when it's really cold out, <laughs> it's hard to smell it. You know? Right, but you can see it on infrared. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, but what I'm saying is, like, the Himalayas are known for, uh, you know, sudden storms, you know, windstorms, snowstorms. So there's a lot of chaotic noise, you know, hissing and wind and all this stuff. The wind whipping through yeah, the, yeah. the chasm. So, uh, some of the reports say they smelled him first. 
Mm -hmm. You know, they, they could smell him coming because... Yeah, I, I mean, I've known quite a few hair... In fact, we've lived with... I think we lived with the Yeti once. I, I don't think he was a Yeti. I think he was more of a, a Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. he did look kind of Canadian. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> <laughs> so it suggested that the Yeti myth originated in Tibet, and it reached Nepal via the Sherpas that would take, you know, goods and things over across the mountains to other neighboring towns... Uh, the descendants of the families who immigrated from the Kams region of Tibet across the Himalayan range in the middle of the 16th century. So it's a pretty decently, you know, aged myth. The first scientist to investigate the Yeti was a German professor by the name of Ernst Schaefer. Allegedly, he was employed by the head of the SS, Heinrich Himmler, and you know... Uh, you know, Hitler was a huge nut in general, but he was also a huge nut with, you know, the occult and cryptozoological creatures and religions and just all this weird stuff. There also, uh, Himmler was very convinced uh, that his Superman theory, mm -hmm. that it's possible that the—he he thought that the Superman or the Anglo-Saxon people— came from, you know, that kind of area of Tibet in the Himalayas. Right. Uh, even though now we know that we probably hail from Africa, and that is like the cradle of all life, like Mesopotamia. Yeah. But he thought it was in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. So that's why they were doing that testing. But while they were there, why not look up the Yeti? Right. And try to figure what that's all about. Right. Well, and he concluded that it was a Tibetan bear of some kind. Which, uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, uh, but uh, it... He was probably kind of right that the Yeti might have been a bear. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So you go through the timeline of, of the Yeti and you find a ton of like strange encounters that you know, some people say that it attacked, you know, the, the service animals like the yaks or the, the mules or something. Uh, some say it's helped. It's a, you know, benevolent creature. Yeah, uh, I found a curious report of an encounter with the Yeti mm -hmm. uh, in 1938 with a Captain D'Avonger. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the curator of a Victorian uh, memorial in Calcutta, India. He was traveling in the Himalayas by himself when he became completely snowblind. He couldn't see. He was nearing death from exposure from the cold. He was going through hypothermia, and he was rescued by a nine-foot-tall Yeti that uh, he said nursed him back to health until he was able to return home by himself. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know if he was right, but, you know, apparently the, uh, yeah, the maybe he just uh, was milking the yaks, you know what I <laughs> right. mean? Right. Helping them out, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just really strange. Then 10 years later, a Norwegian uranium prospector. That you were going to say find, Uranus. <laughs> can you find uranium in the Himalayas? Sure. Interesting. Okay. Uh, named John... Frostis claimed well, that's that's pretentious. It's kind of like on the nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, claimed he was attacked by not one, but two Yetis that he'd stumbled upon near Zuma Gap. And if there's something you don't want to stumble upon, it's a pack of a couple, <laughs> yeah. couple of a, Yetis. Is it a pack? A pair of Yetis. Is it a pair? I mean, maybe. Would you call uh, them like a murder? A mur <laughs> I don't think it would be a murder. No. No. I, a gaggle? A, yeah. A flock? No. Mm. A school? Definitely not a flock. That's like birds. Yeah. You know? So 
I would think uh, the plural of Yeti would be... A tribe? Be, I don't know. Yeah, a tribe. I think a tribe would yeah, be good. a team. A team. A te- yeah. I like a team. A oh, team I of I mean, Yetis. only if they're, like, pulling sleds. No, they're pulling people's arms off. This guy's... <laughs> This guy, he said his shoulder was badly mangled and required extensive medical treatment. <laughs> I mean, it's not, nothing to laugh at. No. But that's not a sleigh. No, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> apparently it was a sleigh. Just <laughs> Oh. Well, Joe, I've done a little bit of research, and a website called wondermark.com has supernatural collective nouns. Oh, okay? nice. So uh, it tells you quite a few things. So, you know say, a host of angels or a clamor of clones. I actually found a Yeti uh, under the wildlife class, Hmm. and it is classified as a flurry of Yeti. Okay. So, yeah, so we know what it actually is. Nice. And I'll make sure I put this this picture up on the show notes here. It has the collective nouns for all different kinds of strange creatures and uh, supernatural and, and cryptozoological creatures. A cabal of cockatrices. <laughs> a dignity of dragons. This is awesome. <laughs> Too bad our podcast isn't about this because I'm really right. excited. A majesty of titans. This is awesome. All right, that's our next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so throughout uh, the Yeti's reports and its uh, history, people have also found, quote-unquote, evidence... Stop making air quotes. They can't see you make air quotes. I said, quote, unquote, at the same time. (laughs) They can't see you make air quotes, Joe. That's just my favorite thing. I love when Joe makes air quotes while Yeah, we always do these sort of like pantomiming, you know, motions in the studio. And I always forget you guys can't see this. uh, When he (laughs) wants to be like showing dignity while he's talking, he likes to stroke his beard. I do. You know, there's like, there's all these. Scratch my noggin or do the the thinker pose Mm -hmm. when you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So people have found, again, quote unquote, evidence uh, like footprints, patches of skin or fur, um, there was even a report in 1950 of a patch of skin and a mummified finger and thumb that were found in the Himalayan mountains. Now, zoologists and anthropologists consider that the fragments to be almost human and similar in some respects to that of the Neanderthal man, even though they could not associate to any known living species. And this is in 1950s, so there's not a lot of DNA testing happening in the 50s. And, uh, but the list goes on and on. People have found numerous tracks, and, and some were even uh, uncovered as being hoaxes, and some could not be explained. Yeah, so uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, the same man that had first climbed Mount Everest in 1953, he led a 1960 trip uh, in association with Desmond Doig, mm-hmm. who, which is an awesome last name, D-O-I-G, <laughs> Doig. Uh, uh, the expedition was sponsored by World Book Encyclopedia, and they were well outfitted. They had tripwire cameras, time lapse, infrared photography, all this, you know, like state-of-the-art stuff for 1960. Mm-hmm. And they stayed for 10 months and failed to find any real convincing evidence of the Yeti. Wow. Uh, there were artifacts that they examined, two skins, a scalp. They all turned out to belong to uh, blue bears. 
Hmm. Blue bears, or the Tibetan blue bear, they also call it like the Himalayan blue bear or the horse bear. There's a few different names for it. Himalayan snow bear, the yak bear, the oh, mountain bear. Horse bear? Yeah, the horse bear. Yeah. That would be an awesome creature. Yeah. Half horse, half bear? <laughs> well, they're not actually half horse, half bear. They I just, they just. I don't know why they call him Matt. But, I mean, they also call it a yak bear. So, I mean, it's, you know. Okay. So, uh, mountain bear. But they're actually a subspecies of brown bear. Uh, they were first classified in 1854 by English zoologist uh, Edward Blythe. And they are a lot of the time they think that this is one of the ideas of, you know, possibly the Yeti legend. They mm -hmm. live in Tibet, you know, in, in the mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, they also are in western China, Nepal, and uh, sometimes in Bhutan. They live in the high altitudes close to the tree line. Uh, now, the human settlements there have caused great reduction in the bear's habitat and decline in number. In fact, really, we don't even know how many of these bears exist. There, it's, it's really, it's really kind of sad. We don't even know how many blue bears there are. Right. But they're, they're a very well closely associated with the, uh, you know, just the, the brown bear. They're basically the smallest subspecies of brown bear that exists. They have like a blue tinge to their their hair they're mm -hmm. kind of gray or brown or black sometimes they have a little red in their in their face in their right. muzzle but they have a weird like kind of blue tip okay and almost it's kind of reminiscent a little bit to you know the polar bear right you know right. being white but they have like a whitish bluish sort of like like Hue. very end yeah, yeah they're kind of like almost salt and pepper yeah. you know push it mm -hmm. push it real good <laughs> And, you know, bears, uh, they will stand up uh, on their yeah. hind legs. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, okay. So Call back I, to our notable animals, mm -hmm. you know, when uh, we were talking about um, Wojtek, the soldier bear, he would stand up. I, I love how you, you always have to think about how to say it. Because it's always... You always want to say Wojak. Yeah, I want to say Wojak or Kojak. Yeah, but it's, it's because it's like, you know, Polish. Yeah, He's yeah. Vo It's Wojtek. Wojtek. <laughs> But he would stand up and carry munitions around. And what if, okay, what if you have one of these rare elusive bears that, you know, in the morning or something, he is doing his morning calisthenics as a bear does. Well, or uh, maybe he just uh, is walking away from the cave to go take a pee, you know? Yeah, but he decides that day, you know, I'm going to stand up and someone off in the distance sees that you mm -hmm. know and they don't see him come down on his 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 forepaws they just see him kind of walk around the side yeah i think if you didn't know what that was and you didn't think bears were native mm -hmm. at that time or they were but in lower lying areas of the mountains and you saw that you know you're kind of like spurring on that that uh that myth of this weird man-like hairy beast creature you know what I mean? I love it when you say man-like hairy beast creature. I'm just, you know. <laughs> but you have to admit, some of the, the, the casts that they would make uh, of the quote-unquote footprints, uh, I don't know. They, they look similar to, to some bear-ish type creatures, um, but they're kind of elongated you know compared to most bear paw prints you know 
Yeah, a lot. Well, just like Bigfoot, mm-hmm. the Yeti, most of what we are getting as evidence are are those kind of footprints. Yes. Okay. The problem with the footprints, as opposed to the Bigfoot footprints, instead of being in mud or in you know kind of area, you know, you you, you instead of that, you're getting them in snow. Right, okay? which is even more. Uh, Volatile. Can, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's going to degrade a heck of a lot quicker than, you know, a, a splotch of mud or dirt. Yeah. So most of what I see that experts talk about when they take a look at those pictures of snow tracks that are tracked all the way through the Himalayas, right? So it's this big, huge line of snow tracks that go, you know, all the way across, uh, you know, some sort of iceberg. All right. Mm -hmm. Most of what they talk about is how it'll be some tracks that they see. Uh, They think it looks like they're in a single line. Right. But what they say is that, you know, it's something that is actually walking on all fours. Mm. But as the second set of footprints come along, they step in the exact same hole that their that their forepaw would have gone in. Elongating the step. Or Elong- elongating that footprint. Yeah, so okay. making the footprint larger. Right. So it's not just that, it's also And you wouldn't that- you wouldn't necessarily see the secondary indentation because it's in snow. Exactly. So it yeah, so you have two feet, you know, the the forepaw and the and the rear paw mm-hmm. going in the same basically in the same hole because it, it's actually easier to do that while you're walking in the snow. Well and for an animal. Yeah, because of their their gait you know, is offset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also you have the sun coming down and when, while it's shining, it's actually showing on part of the footprint mm-hmm. and it's melting some of the snow in that area, also making the footprint even larger than that. Right. So it has a tendency to make these, these, you know, bipedal, you know, footprints that people think that they are bipedal, mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, two, two feet or standing on two feet. Right. Even though they think the bear is, has four feet or, or the, Bigfoot or the Yeti has four feet, it's making those footprints even much, much larger because the sun is coming down and it's melting that area. So that a lot of experts think that that is what's happening, that, you know, they're kind of bare footprints. I mean, it wouldn't be yak, obviously, because they have the, the hooves. Mm-hmm. So you would really be able to notice some kind of a yak. But there are bears and even, Joe, there's monkeys that live in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they're not what we think of as great apes, like gorillas. However, a lot of people think that the Yeti is some sort of descendant of a giant ape or a gorilla. But there are actual monkeys that live there. Now, these uh, these monkeys are a type of gibbon. Okay, yeah. Okay, they're a known type of ape. There are also langur monkeys that live in the Tibetan area. Now, these are much, much smaller type of monkeys, mm-hmm. uh, but they have a very cute face. A lot of them are really very white. Uh, they're called the Gray Lammer or the Hunan Langer, uh, and a, a lot of um, a lot of them are thought to be uh, named after the Hindu deity with the face of the monkey. Hmm. So if you saw one of those off in the distance with their sort of whitish hair, you know, also standing upright, mm-hmm. uh, and you didn't know that they were, you know, again, local. Local to the area? Yeah. Or, you, know? I, you, you may, you know, uh, jump the gun, I mm-hmm. guess, you know? Now, them being a, a monkey, they definitely walk on two feet. Uh, now, their tracks are not going to be that ver- that large because they're only, they're, they're kind of 
body weight, mm-hmm. they average only about 39 pounds. Oh, wow. So that's like... So they're not large. They're like a small dog, you know? Yeah. Well, or not a small dog. I guess a small medium child. To, yeah. Or a medium to, you know, medium-sized dog. Yeah. But even even then, the, the, the prints are going to be maybe the size of your palm. Mm-hmm. You know, not very big and yeah. not not nearly big enough for half of these prints that, that people find. So let's talk about some color. We've talked white, mm-hmm. uh, off-white. Uh, there are some reports that, it's, that they've seen the Yeti as gray, brown, black, red. So you're, <laughs> you're pretty much taking the entire uh, primary and secondary color wheel and throwing it up in the mountains. Joe, also, have you ever heard of the Yaren? The Yaren? Yeah, it's Y-E-R-E-N. Okay. So uh, since Tibet is now a part of China, okay, I just wanted to mention that this is another Chinese type of bipedal cryptid. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, they are in a different area, okay? They are in the Hubei province, mm-hmm. which is about three provinces away from it's Tibet. It's just three provinces over. Yeah, it's three yeah. provinces. But it is a, a, another type of mountain creature, right. uh, very similar to the Yeti. Uh, I mean, now that has its own past. I don't want to get into it too much, but, you know, just the, for the fact that, and they have the same thing. They have like the reddish hue or the whitish hue. Mm-hmm. Um, they are generally thought to be six to nine feet tall. Uh, okay. So they've also been sighted some at three feet tall with thick lips, big teeth, kind of like a horse's, and mm-hmm. its arms are very long, uh, and its feet were very huge. Just, I mean, it sounds very much like the Bigfoot or the Yeti. Yeah, or the Sasquatch or all the other ones that we've mentioned. And that's, that's the thing. It's like... Going back to, you know, call back to our, like, a mermaids episode, mm-hmm. a prolific history for mermaids spans all cultures, all, you know, regions, and throughout history. It seems very, very similar with the Yeti and all of the other, you know, ape-like man creatures. Also, the story of the Dyatlov Pass, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, just in some of our episodes, but it's a group of a few hikers that were in the Dyatlov Pass in Russia, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really a very strange story. A lot of the, a lot of like the hikers, just kind of went away for the weekend. Some of them died of hypothermia, and they were found. Uh, there were there are actually nine of them. Some of them, uh, four of them, were found to have internal injuries. Uh, some of them were, one of them was missing a tongue hmm. and had injuries to their eyes. Uh, it, it, like, it's just a very strange mystery. Some of them abandoned their tent with their clothes and supplies inside. Some were dressed in other people's clothes. Uh, it looked like they had cut the fabric of the tent just to get out, which caused them some injuries trying to get out. I mean, it's a very strange story. And I think we might have talked about it during one of our episodes. I can't remember which one. If we did, uh, make sure you let us know, Curiosos, okay? Uh, Because I'd like to kind of mention that again, or maybe even cover this in full. But a lot of people think that it's possible that it was some sort of Russian Yeti that might have got these people. You know, other people think that it was possibly some sort of atomic bomb that went off or some sort of meteorite that blew up and take out someone's tongue and make them wear different clothes yeah i look i'm i mean (laughs) that's why it's such a bizarre mystery but a lot of people think that it was a a yeti that attacked them some sort of you know 
some sort of snow creature that came and, you know, attacked them in the middle of the night. So it's it's just a very strange occurrence, and I wanted to mention that uh, a lot of people blame it on on the Yeti, even though this is in Russia. But if you think about it, you know, Russia is a, a part, uh, you know, very very close to Asia, so it's possible, you know. He just took up a in long, the yeah. He took a long, long walk. Uh, no, I mean there could be. You know, there's even, uh, Joe. There's uh, talks of, you know, some sort of creature or yeti being up in Colorado, the Colorado mountains, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, uh, very mountainous creatures. There's, uh, some, some in some of the mountains way up in Canada, you yeah. know, being kind of like a snow, well, snow yeti or snow uh, bipedal. Uh, that's the Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. That's their, their local, uh, yeti esque The, the Northwest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bigfoot has been sighted all over America. You know, everywhere from New Jersey to, to California. But, I, you know, I, I have a tendency to think of the Yeti as, like, the snow cousin yeah, well, he's, of, of he's, the Bigfoot. Yeah, he's the polar bear of, of the, uh, you know, ape man creatures. Yeah, of the, of the, of the, of the Bigfoot tribe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's an annual festival in Mani Rimdu uh, that is celebrated during the full moon of October, November time of the season in Nepal. And during the festival, monks wear masks to portray divine beings and they perform ritual dances and stuff. And traditionally, one of the dancers will take on the role of the Yeti. Oh, it kind of reminds me of Krampus a little bit. Yeah. 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 Does he does he beat uh, does he beat people with switches in the behind? I don't think there's any beating going on. No. But uh, yeah, so it was interesting. And in um, most of the region, the Sherpa tradition, those are the guys who, they're, they're the mountain people, mm -hmm. the, the Sherpas. They hold that the Yeti will only show itself to those who believe in it. Uh, that's kind of, well, it's, it's kind of like uh, the, I mean, they're invisible to everybody else unless you believe uh, in it. Yeah, I guess. Maybe some sort of mystical. The Yeti's you know? new clothes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Know? Okay. All right. So on a website called Atlas Obscura, uh, under the Objects of Intrigue subheading, I found uh, a Yeti scalp that was brought to an explorer's club in New York City, New York. Hmm. Uh, now, this was, you know, came from high in the Himalayan mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, the legend of a huge hairy man beast uh, dates back to antiquity. Um, but this Western uh, collection uh, drew on the Yeti myth, okay, and found a... Uh, you know, basically found a Yeti scalp. It's said to have been brought uh, from a remote Himalayan monastery, uh, thinking that it came from Buddhist monks. This was uh, in 1921 from an explorer, Charles Howard Berry, as part of the official Mount Everest reconnaissance expedition. Okay. Uh, he reported seeing enormous footprints uh, with the local guides attributed to the mysterious Yeti. Uh, the guides called the creature... Mech Kagmi, meaning approximately filthy snowman. And we had talked about that before. Right, right. So this is where uh, this, this scalp came from. And uh, now they, I don't know if they've tested this one. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. They did test this one. I apologize. Now, when they tested this one, it actually had a DNA profile of a goat antelope. Okay. 
Uh, so this uh, this is actually definitely not an actual Yeti. So it was a gaffe. Yeah, it was a gaffe, you know, it, where, uh, uh, and if you don't know what a gaffe is, go back and listen to our very first episode where we talk about sideshows. But basically, it's, uh, you know, it's not actually scalp tissue. It's what they basically did is they, they took skin from this goat antelope, they filleted it, they got the skin, and then they created basically a, a very high, high cranial point kind of scalp. Like uh, microcephalic. Yeah, this type is gen- scalp. that's generally what they think the Yeti kind of looks like. Okay. There are several types of apes, mm-hmm. great apes, yeah. that have that same sort of high crested scalp, mm-hmm. yeah. the top of the cranium there. So they very they very much made it look like that. And I mean, even with like Harry and the Hendersons, do you remember that movie yeah. with the Bigfoot? Mm-hmm. They, he always has this, you know, kind of denoted by this you know, yeah. high cranial Cone head type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, almost. So they think that the Yeti is also has to do with that. So, so that one we definitely know. Uh, it was it was kind of touched up with uh, with henna color uh, from by boiling tea leaves. They they also found that in the in the scalp. So I mean, we definitely know that this one is absolutely fake. That's at the Explorers Club. However, not all of these scalps that have been found are known to be fakes. There is another one that is another uh, another in another monastery. It's the Kumjung Monastery, and this one is in Nepal. Hmm. Now, this particular scalp has been there for. I mean, it, this has this has been here for a very very long time. I also watched a documentary on Netflix where it was a, a, a Nat Geo documentary. Yeah, and it yeah. was uh, talking about finding the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very good, uh, very good report. But at the time, they would not allow the explorer to get any kind of DNA evidence from it. However, just recently, it's been opened up to actually get some sort of evidence. Hmm. Now, this happened in 2013. Uh, they, on October 20th, they were going to release on Channel 4 in the UK. It's a scientist by the name of Brian Sykes. He's a professor of human genetics at the University of Oxford. He's uh, the feature of the upcoming documentary. Of course, it's not upcoming because now we know it was in 2013. Right. Uh, you know, it, was, it was called Bigfoot Files. That was going to happen in, on Channel 4. Okay. Now, what's weird is they took the hair samples. Uh, they came uh, from different areas in the Himalayas. But what's really strange, uh, it came from this one specific scalp, but they also found a few other few other different matches. They all matched up genetically with a 40,000-year-old polar bear jawbone from Norway. Weird. So it's very possible, and people think that it's basically that they've solved the mystery okay. that it was some type of bizarre bear okay. that, that, that yeah. the Yeti was, because yeah. it actually matched up with a 40,000-year-old polar bear jawbone okay. from Norway. Yeah. How, how strange is that? Hey. Uh, even though a lot of people from the area, the Sherpas and things like that, there's also another story of a, a, a gentleman's grandfather that, with the video that I watched. Mm-hmm. Where he had gone to a zoo, he had gone to uh, the New York Zoo, and he had seen a gorilla. And he basically looked at it, and he was like, holy smokes, that is a Yeti right there. That's the Uh, Yeti. It's a gorilla. But it was a gorilla. Right. So he was just saying he really thought that that gorilla was the Yeti. So he's, I mean, and he was an eyewitness. He said he was attacked by a Yeti when he was very young. Oh, okay. So he was, okay, gotcha. He was correlating. So, I mean, even though, I mean, so... 
you know, what do we think? Do we think that it's a bear? Do we think that it's some sort of actual bipedal, you know, large ape, ape of some creature? sort? You know, I... like like most people that think, you know, Bigfoots are. We don't know. But we do have DNA, DNA evidence that says that this specific scalp mm-hmm. comes from some sort of relative from a polar bear. Right. Or it's actually like a mix of like a polar bear and a brown bear. Some sort of, mm-hmm. you know, because... It, they're they're actually in the same family, so they could feasibly actually have offspring. Sykes is also involved in a larger project to to conduct genetic tests on alleged Bigfoot specimens from gathered from around the world. Okay, so there's different collections, and he's going to try to get maybe a conclusive. He's trying to get different samples from around the world to see what else these creatures might be. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get some from the Americas. Some, I mean, just like all over the place right. to see, you know, what matches up, you know, just to make sure that it's not some dude running around in a Chewbacca costume. Yeah, I can never do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard to do. It's kind of like a person trying to make like a cat noise. You right. Know what I mean, you right. just can't really do it. So speaking of Chewbacca... Let's talk about the influence, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is a very long myth, very long history, and it has influenced popular culture all over the world. So, Joe, uh, so you mean possibly maybe the Marvel Yeti? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he is a inhuman uh, uh, in the Marvel Universe. Uh, now that uh, the Inhumans we know are going to be coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we might actually see an incarnation of Yeti. Yeah, and and the it's funny in the upcoming Inhumans movie. I'm really kind of excited about it. And the old the old artwork kind of reminds me of Sabretooth, but yeah, more but, more bestial. And he's very white. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's actually been. I mean, Yeti is basically like a creature. He he comes from you know. He's a human variant, or what they call an inhuman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was mutated by the Terrigen Mists, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, but basically, he just kind of jokingly got called the Yeti. And of course, he has super strength, uh, very durability, very durable. He has razor-sharp teeth and claws, and uh, very, very white skin. Uh, sometimes also, uh, when he gets angry, he gets a little, you know... You wouldn't like him when he's angry? Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. (laughs) You know, like a a 400-pound Yeti coming after you. Uh, The Yeti has also been spotted. Oh, I apologize. 780-pound Yeti, 7'6", with red eyes and white hair. That's That's crazy. large Yeti. That is a large yard. (laughs) Tell tell him large Marge Yeti sent you. Turn into a pirate Yeti. Yeah, sorry about that. It's a jetty you park your boat near, not a Yeti. Oh, okay. So also in 1967, Doctor Who, uh, it was Patrick Thornton, Thornton, the second Doctor. Oh, that's uh, Patrick Troughton. Troughton. Is it Troughton? It's, yeah, Patrick Troughton, yeah. He's the, he's the second. Troughton. Yeah, Patrick Troughton. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, Look, man, I know my Doctor Who's. But looking at, at 
the the Marvel Yeti versus look at this. This is like he, okay. <laughs> it's like a giant. Joe has some pictures of the Yeti that was in Doctor Who from 1967, and he looks like a giant furball. Like he looks like he's, Grimace but white. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, like Grimace, the, the you know, of course, the the creature and not of, of myth coming from uh, McDonald's. Yeah, not menacing huge, just like jolly huge. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he's not menacing. No, he looks like Roly Poly. So he actually reminds me of the guy from H.R. Puff and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Witchy Poo and the magic flute and everything. The with big the big guy, the sad the, eyes. Yeah, the, the sad eyes. He's creepy just, puppets. He's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Eddie also pops up in Scooby-Doo, of course. Oh, Reggie. Are you ready? Did he get unmasked? Uh, yeah, I think it was and Old Man And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it <laughs> wasn't for them pesky kids. Wait, uh, 1970. Uh, that's snow ghost. That's, that's snow that's, ghost. That's a snow ghost. <laughs> no, not that's a. It's that's snow ghost. Yeah, that that sounds just like bad translation. One of my favorite is the wampa. Oh, the wampa. The wampa, mm-hmm. which is not. I mean, he's not called a yeti. He's you know called a wampa, and we are talking about the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Hoth, right? Yeah. They're from on, Hoth. On Planet Hoth, yeah. yeah. Oh, and if you want to hear us talk about this more, you can go back to our Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. I believe we talked about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, the famous Wampa that tore up uh, Luke Skywalker's face by making him get into a, a motorcycle. motorcycle accident. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, <Or> exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what that Wampa did. Yeah. <laughs> he just stuck a stick right in his spokes, put an ice, icicle in his spokes. And flew off a speeder bike? Mm-hmm. Is that how that that's, happened? That's right. <laughs> uh, Monsters, Inc. That funny little uh, scene where he, he hands the, the two main characters a little yellow snow cone. Oh, that's gross. And he's like, it's lemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I totally remember that scene. <laughs> yeah. And then we also have uh, 1961, the classic Chuck Jones Looney Tunes episode, where you would have the... Uh, a bombadil snowman. Uh, you, you remember with the love him and hug him and name him George. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And then one of my favorite stop motion uh, films was the Rankin and Bass Christmas classic Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And oh, that's with uh, the Bumble. Yeah, right. and that's why I mean, we're doing this for our Christmas episode, and it's that how more Christmassy can you get than the Bumble? Yeah, with uh, you know the the elf and the minor guy, and and just wonderful, wonderful stop motion. And has Sammy seen that? Uh, no, uh, I, I he saw Red Nose the uh, Red Nose Reindeer, <laughs> R- R- Randolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Because <laughs> I'm Rainbow and <laughs> Randolph. <that's who. laughs> But no, no, we haven't seen uh, the the one with the abdominable snowman. Mm-hmm. I know it's abominable. I just like to say abdominal. <laughs> so ripped. Well, no, we actually do have uh, at an abdominable. Uh, ad- <laughs> Ooh, it's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, uh, we do have another snowman, of course, in the regular show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So with uh. With- oh. <laughs> Bingo! I, I love that show. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. That was great. So, and of course, he has the uh, the crazy abs as well. Yes, he does. Know? He does have so, the abs. Yeah. Now, um, now those are you know kind of like pop culture things. Exactly. Yeah. Now, but I wanted to talk about a real creature that's also named after the Yeti. 
For good reason. Being the Yeti crab. Mm, one of my favorite crabs. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I've never tried this specific one. No, I'm, but I'm, I've, I'm I'm I've heard saying... that it's good with some butter sauce. <laughs> right. Well, you got to give them a shave first. Because yeah, you, well, yeah. you know why he's, they're called the Yeti crab, right? Uh, because they're cold-hearted. Uh, well, they are a deep sea crustacean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are, fat. in fact, completely blind. Mm -hmm. uh, they are completely white, completely blind, and they live at the very, very bottom of the ocean. Yeah, they uh, tend to like being near thermal vents. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that is one of the strange things. They only hang out uh, near hydro hydrothermal vents. Mm -hmm. Basically, hydrothermal vents are when you have uh, the, the, the kind of the red hot magma under the earth magma mm -hmm. and it all, it lets out this, uh, you know, these different types of it's super gases. heated gas, yeah, which, that, which that turns... comes out of the earth's crust under the ocean. Right. So imagine a geyser or a, you know, a volcano, mm -hmm. but under the deep sea, under the sea. Yeah. And so all of the chemicals and heat are being poured out, you know, miles and miles below the ocean surface, and you have these wonderful little habitats with all these creatures surrounding these these vents. And one is this Yeti crab. Now, yeah, so basically they have these little sort of hairs all over their their arms. Mm -hmm. I mean, their arms are so ridiculously hairy. They're <laughs> they're probably hairier than our friend Ryan's arms. Yeah, I mean, they're hairier than mine. Absolutely. And now, what they do is they basically hold out their little crabby arms. Well, <laughs> actually, not little. They're very very long crabby arms. Yeah, and they're they, pretty beefy arms. Yeah, they hold them over these hydrothermal vents way under the water, and these little bacteria start to grow inside of the hair. Mm -hmm. They think that they actually feed themselves by doing that. They grow the, the bacteria, and mm -hmm. then they eat it off of their hair. So they're yeah. actually like feeding themselves off of their own body. Yeah. It's their own personal way of like kind of trap hunting. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's very neat. They also think that they feed off of, you know, other smaller crabs, mussels, shrimp, algae, uh, you know, but also uh, they use the hair to sense their surroundings. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's, we don't know a whole lot about it because uh, it, it lives so far under the ocean, you know, where we really can't see it very yeah, well. We know more about the moon than we do the deep sea. Yeah, they're about six inches long and they're found at depths of about 7,200 feet or uh, 2,200 meters. That's a ways down. <laughs> yeah, it's really far down. Uh, they also think that there's some sort of distant relative of the common hermit crab. Now, of course, they don't mm -hmm. use, uh, you know, the shells, right, you know, right. like hermit crabs do. So, but uh, a very, very neat creature that's uh, named after the Yeti. I think it's all that hair and them being just... Yeah, I, I think so. You know? I think it's a visual thing. Mm -hmm. What's really strange is that we didn't even discover them until basically 2005. So they're a very, very recent discovery. Again, we know more about the moon than we do the, the ocean floor. Yeah. So we discover stuff almost every day down there. Yeti. And maybe, maybe we'll actually discover the real Yeti, you know, taking a deep sea dip. Now, one of my favorite Yeti-esque things... Uh, are Yeti coolers. Now, I worked at, in Austin, Texas for a while, and I worked at this great little uh, outdoor shop, and they sold these Yeti coolers. And they are rather pricey for a cooler, but they're super durable, and like it seems like you can leave something in there with ice, and it'll stay cold for like a week. They are insane. 
Now, I just want to mention that Yeti coolers are not paying us to say this. No, no. But since they're called Yeti coolers, we, we had not help but mention it. Yeah, we had to talk about it. Yeah. So they were founded in 2006 with a simple mission to build the cooler that we use every day, if it existed. I was going to say, uh, if Yeti coolers wants to pay us to say this, feel free to email <laughs> us, guys. <laughs> No, they're just really, they are really neat coolers. Again, they're, you know, they're not your typical, uh, you know, pop top, whatever cooler. They're pretty rough and tumble. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know I talked to you a couple of years ago about maybe getting one because they keep stuff cold for a long yeah, time. Yeah, we go, we go on camping trips every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go do like Festivals jam at the dam. And, yeah, we do a lot of stuff outdoors and we're always like, oh crap, our ice is going to melt in yeah. the next day. Yeah, it, uh, you know, we'll do like these big festivals where when I'm done performing, mm -hmm. you know, we'll get done and we're just sitting at the merchandise booth and we're like, hey, let's crack a beer or two. Right. Because we're, you know, we're done for the day. And uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, my birthday is coming up in January. I'm thinking mm -hmm. I might just, uh, might just see if I can get a Yeti cooler for, for my birthday. Nice. For the upcoming festival season. <laughs> and you, you guys are going to find... Tons of Yeti-related products and characters and things. I found a... Uh, Little bumble creatures. Yeah. No, there's mm -hmm. tons of bumbles everywhere. Um, there is a good beer by a company from Colorado called Great Divide, and they make a, a Yeti beer. It's a stout. Um, there are several other beers out there, which I haven't tried. I've tried the I know, Great Divide. I, I know beer. there's a few beers uh, called Bigfoot as well. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and we, if we do a Bigfoot episode, we'll have to actually get it. For that one. <laughs> right, yeah. right. We we were skipping the Yeti one. We've been we went to a wine and cheese party a while ago, and uh, we're still kind of recovering from that. <laughs> I mean, the cheese, not the wine, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. We're over that. Yeah. So uh, we know this is coming out on Christmas Day, so we wanted to make sure that you uh, that you have a wonderful, happy Christmas. Mm -hmm. If it snows, rains, wherever you are. If you see something out in the tree line, take a picture. Yeah, take a picture. It make might be uh, might be a yeti. Yeah, make sure your yaks are locked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, it's just yaks. I know. I just wait. Actually, it yaks also, me up that you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also like a Himalayan uh, resort. Mm -hmm. uh, that's called the Yak and the Yeti. Mm -hmm. And I just always thought that that was really neat, the yeah. Yak and the Yeti. Just and there's also another Yak and Yeti that has, like, Nepalese food that mm -hmm. is in, uh, I believe it's in Disney World. Yeah. So I, I told you at the, the top of the hour, um, there is an amazing Himalayan art gallery. It's not really an art gallery. It's more like a... They have, like, crafts and... Yeah, and, yeah it's more like a souvenir store. But it's yeah. all stuff from Nepal and the surrounding Himalayan areas. It's really, really neat. So if you guys are in that D.C. area near the National Mall, you know, go check it out. Maybe for Christmas, maybe after Christmas and you're spending, spending time, you know, go do that. Uh, maybe for my birthday in January. Oh, that's true. If you want to send us some, some gifts. That is coming up. Just email us. We'll give you a mailing address. <laughs> right. All right, kids, just remember, don't go down where the Yeti go, and don't you eat that yellow snow. topics that you want us to cover, anything that you want to talk to us about or let us know about, email us feedback at thecurioso.com. 
our Facebook, facebook.com backslash the Curioso Podcast. We tweet at Curioso Podcast. And if you have any five-star reviews you'd like to give us on iTunes, please feel free. Sorry, Yeti attacked me. <laughs>